Good evening, everyone. Great to see every single one of you in the house. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, you blessed. Turn, turn to your other neighbor, tell them, I'm blessed too. Yes, we are all blessed. And we're so happy to see every single one of you in, this, in the house as we're continuing with our series, Blessed. And, you know, this series has been an important one because we've been learning about how Jesus spoke to the believers at the time or the people at the time on the Sermon on the Mount and the way that he encouraged God's people, the believers at the time, to live. And it was a very important time. Jesus knew that he was going to go head on into ministry. He was going to do exactly what he, was, he said he was going to do, which was to save this world from sin and death and pave the way for every single one of us to have eternal life. And then he would ascend and go into heaven, like what we talked about in Easter. He would resurrect. And then after he left this earth, it was now the disciples, the believers' opportunity. It was their responsibility to continue on the sharing of the gospel and the good news of Jesus, which meant they needed to not just know about the gospel, but also know what it meant to live out the gospel everywhere that they went and everything, in everything that they did. This was a paramount and important conversation Jesus had while he was here on earth. And it's an important one for every single one of us. Tonight we're going to be talking about a very, I mean, everything that Jesus talked about was important. But we're going to be talking about the importance of integrity. Everyone say integrity. integrity. Importance of integrity. And this is what the definition of integrity is. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Moral uprightness. I'm going to say it again. Integrity means this. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. It was important then for Jesus to talk to the believers and the disciples or the, the people at the time because that was something that was challenged on an every single day kind of basis. People weren't dishonest or people were dishonest. People kind of lived however they wanted to. So he needed to address this area of integrity. If we were honest with ourselves tonight at church... If we were honest with ourselves in this day and age, there's a lot of places, working places, relationships, marriages that have been strained and torn because of the lack of integrity, the lack of honesty, the lack of trustworthiness. It's kind of the foundation of things that we're going to be talking about tonight. It's extremely, extremely important. And again, the responsibility for believers is to share the good news of the gospel, not just in what we say, but how we live. That is absolutely important. We can't just talk the talk. We need to walk it out as well. I'm going to share a, a statistic with every single one of us this evening. Everyone say 85%. So Barna is this kind of like scientific, or not scientific, they're a research company that does a bunch of different polls, gathering information about Christianity today. A lot of really intriguing, interesting statistics that they gather. And this 85% number that we're talking about today is the amount of people that are non-believers that when asked, said that they did not want to come into a relationship with Jesus. They did not want to try to become a Christian or a Christ follower because of duplicious hypocrisy that they've seen and witnessed in the Christians in their life. And you can kind of, 85%, that's a lot. And we can kind of receive that information and be like, oh, wow, that's really hard to hear. But it should be for us. Because the world desperately needs Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. We've experienced his love and his goodness, his kindness, his redemption. 
We stand on the faith that our God is good and we're going to try as hard as we can to be the best example of Christ everywhere that we go. Yet 85% of people that have not begun a relationship with Jesus says it's because of how Christians live that caused them to not want to get to know more about this amazing, perfect God. And see, the crazy thing tonight is this message is not supposed to condemn. Jesus and everything that he says in his word is not supposed to condemn us. It's supposed to convict us. It's supposed to give us perspective. That's why he teaches his believers what he does. That's why he did what he did. That's why he talked the talk and walked it out too. Well, so that every single one of us then, now, and later that come to know Jesus knows that this is the most important thing that we have and the most important thing that we can give, which means how we live with integrity, trustworthiness, honesty. It's absolutely important. And it's not just so that we can have better lives, although that does increase the, the, the health of our relationships, our marriages, this and that. Yes, that comes with it. But most importantly, so that this world that needs to see that God is good can see it through his people. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. But Jesus, through love and grace and mercy, tells his disciples this teaching on integrity and about keeping your promise and it's going to be the main text that we're going to be looking at tonight. It's going to be up on screen, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. We'll read it, break it down, and we'll see what God speaks to every single one of us tonight. So it goes like this. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of God, and this is Jesus speaking. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you so much that you are good and gracious, Father. We are imperfect. We are flawed. We've made mistakes. We've been hurt and we've hurt others because we've compromised and we've broken promises and we didn't follow through with the things that we said to. But your word, it doesn't just remind us of the wrong things that we did. It reminds us of your grace that can lead us and empower us and redeem us to live lives that are worthy of your praise and glory. That when we go to our working places, when we're with our families, when we're out there just doing our day-to-day -day things, people can just see something different about us. And that's you working in and through us. So we know we live in a world where dishonesty, a lack of integrity, lack of trustworthiness has damaged a lot of things. But you are in the process of redeeming, restoring, and making all things good. So may your word speak to us tonight. And may we all leave here encouraged, Lord God, knowing that we have the opportunity to be a light where we go, just as you said the disciples would do back then, and how we get to continue the legacy of discipleship today. I come here tonight, Lord God. May your spirit fill this place. May the words not pierce us in ways that would hurt, but really in ways that would inspire and encourage us, Lord Jesus. We welcome you in. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Number one in your notes goes like, like this. Jesus calls us to live with integrity. Going back to Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the Lord the vows you have made. Back in the Bible days, 
when people made oaths with one another dealing with business, like, I like your cow, you're going to give me your cow. I like your sheep, you're going to give me your sheep. I like your crop, you're going to give me your crop. When people made business with one another, they swore to God. Like, that is how they went about doing these things, like oaths, promises, trades. They did that with this sole understanding that they're not just making an oath to the person that they're making the oath to. They are making an oath to God. Which means if they broke that promise, if they weren't integrous, if they didn't, if they weren't trustworthy and they manipulated the situation or didn't follow through with what they said they would, they weren't just dishonoring the person, they were dishonoring God. That's a pretty big deal to know that if you didn't give your friend the cow that you said you were going to give that person, not only were you upsetting your friend, but you were upsetting God. That's just how it worked back then. Now we're in the New Testament times. Jesus is here and what Jesus did with the law, it wasn't just about following rules and regulations. It was the spirit of the law and what that meant in our heart and in relationship. So Jesus came to fulfill the law that we couldn't fulfill. But at the same time, there's these Pharisees. And what Pharisees were, were people who were over-religious in a condemning and judgmental way. They thought they knew everything, had everything. They thought they were perfect. And how they went about doing business was they belittled and looked down on people. The Pharisees were a group of people that Jesus just did not like very much because of how mean-spirited in relationship and in their heart were. And these Pharisees, they took like this oath thing to this level where they wanted to find loopholes. They wanted to take advantage of people. They wanted to manipulate people. They wanted to do all of these things to break these promises. So instead of making oaths to God, what we see Jesus saying and like kind of explaining to the people at the time is the kinds of oaths that they were making. We're going to go back to scripture, verses 34 to 37. You can tell that the Pharisees were making oaths to the earth. They were making oaths to Jerusalem. They were making oaths to their heads. Like, I promise you, I'm going to give my cow to you by the hair on my head and my chinny chin chin. Like, that's just how they went about doing things. Things like altars, they made promise to altars. They wanted to avoid making oaths and promises with those they were doing things with and God, because they wanted to find ways of not having to be scolded or reprimanded or let God down. That wasn't from the right heart or the right spirit. They wanted their way out. And Jesus kind of comes in and he's like, man, just let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Stop breaking promises and breaking relationships. And if we were very, very honest with ourselves, it hurts when a promise that was made to us was broken, right? Some of it is very serious things. Some of things are more lighthearted things. Some of the things we've forgotten about, some things haunt us to this day. When we had people in our lives, family members, friends, loved ones, people we've made interactions with or had relationship with, promise us things, good things, and they didn't come through. And we've had to wrestle with the consequences of that. Like that is what Jesus is speaking about and talking about. He wants us to be men and women of our word, men and women of integrity, not men and women who try to find loopholes out of the promises we make. Like that is the, the, the seriousness, but also the sincerity of our God. And we'll talk about why Jesus is the best example of that a little bit later, but God is not, or Jesus is not in this business of breaking promises. That is just not who he is. And if we are believers and Christians and Christ followers today, whether we've been Christians our whole life or this is a brand new thing, guess what? God wants us to fulfill the promises we make, not out of fear of, being, of upsetting God, 
but really because of the relationship that these promises mean, not just to us, but to the people that we make them to. It's so important, so integral. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 to 33, building on this a little bit more. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's talking to the church in Corinth leaders and members of the time. And he says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many. And here's something key that they may be saved. I'm going to read this again just because I feel like we need to get this into our hearts a little bit more. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Going back to the 85% that we talked about earlier. This is why how we live matters. Because when we go to our working places, when we go to our classrooms on our campuses, when we go home to our family members and friends that know that we just came back from church, when we interact with the people that we come across every single day, it is not just for our advantage. The Apostle Paul is saying like, what I do, I do for the glory of God. What I eat, what I drink, what I do for work, what I do for a living, where I live, where I go, where I work out, where I go to school. All of, things, all of these things matter for the glory of God. And what he begins to say is like, I don't want to offend people in a bad way. I don't want to break relationship with the believers, a.k.a. the Jews, or the non-believers, a.k.a. the Greeks. Because I want to live in such a way where they look at my life and they see the authenticity of Jesus. The authenticity of what Jesus did in my life. I want them to know. A lot of times, the reason why we break promises is because we, we're in it for ourselves. Like If we were super honest. We live in a culture, especially in the Western countries, especially in the United States, where it's about how far you can get, how high you can go, how much money you can make, how much notoriety you can have, how much followers will like your posts, and what you can do with your life that would make sure that while you're living, people know who you are. Which means whatever promises I make to people, if it can allow me to get further and farther at the expense of that person, so be it. And then as Christ followers and Christians, we now become the 85, or we facilitate the 85% not wanting to know Jesus because we live that way. The Apostle Paul is saying, don't live that way. Don't live that way. In fact, live in such a way as you're not taking advantage of people, but you're actually giving the advantage. Like this is what God's word says. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He is saying we live in such a way where we can give people the advantage. That even one more may get saved. I'm going to read that last line one more time. Verse 33. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. And he's not like performance hungry. He wants to glorify God. Not seeking my own advantage. But that of many. The advantage of many. That they may be saved. What if we lived with that kind of integrity. Honesty and trustworthiness in mind. That I am a living example of who Jesus is when I clock in at work. When I'm driving down the freeway in traffic 
or not driving in the freeway in traffic, right? You're sitting in traffic. What if I lived with that kind of conviction of integrity in our marriages, in our relationships, with our friends, with the waitress or the waiter that was a little bit late on our order and forgot that we didn't want the green onions on our spicy tuna? What if we waited that kind of way, lived that kind of way? for the advantage of others that they may get saved through the testimony and witness of our life. Not because we're perfect, but because the perfection of Jesus comes through the integrity and the trustworthiness and the honor of our lives. Like, What if we lived in that kind of way? That just adds value to our marriages and our relationships with our kids and our family members. That adds value and it makes everything better when we go to work in campus. When we see the people that we interact with, it's not just people that we're around but souls that need to get saved. That breaks my heart to know that 85% of people said that they wouldn't want to know Jesus because of the witness of Christians. Again, not a word that should condemn, but convict us, challenge us, inspire us to be like the Apostle Paul. Everything that I have is not for my advantage, but the advantage of many, that many could get saved. So going back to this whole idea of promises and following through, being men and women whose yeses are yeses and noes and noes, like those things at the end of the day, they absolutely 100% matter. I remember one of the most like, you know, like, this is our college and young adult service, okay, so there's a lot of college-age students here. And when I was a college student, the one thing that I wanted to do at the University of Hawaii was make a difference, share the gospel, But even then, back in like 2007 to 2012, it wasn't easy to share your faith because there was already like this, don't talk about God, don't talk about Christianity, don't impose your opinions on me, don't judge me for how I live. Like I thought it was bad in high school. You go to college, like people are nice, but when you talk about faith and religion, like immediately things get tense. And this was like, I hate to say this, like 10 years ago, like it's way different now. We're talking about faith, God, Christian, Christianity, religion. Like even that is that much more harder because of the atmosphere and the, the kind of society that we live in. And unfortunately, the poor witness of many believers. It's just the reality of how it is. But I was at uh, the University of Hawaii for four years, and, and that was my heart. I wanted to see my classmates and my coworkers on campus come to know Jesus. And I remember just like, I, I knew that I couldn't like push the agenda, but I knew that I could be like Jesus, which was have great relationships and friendships with my classmates and coworkers. Like, they began to know, like, I brought my word, I would read my Bible, I would pray at work, I would do all of these things where they knew that that guy's a Christian, he's a believer, and I remember, like, in the beginning, there was a lot of, like, there was kind of tensions when I would, I used to work at the school paper, I was a sports editor for Kaleo, And I remember like in breaks, you know, in between writing articles or going to interviews, I would bring out my Bible and I would print. I I could see some of my coworkers, also classmates, because we were in the journalism cohort together, kind of like, kind of looking at what I was doing. But you know, a simple hello and how you're doing goes a long way. And when you do that every day, every week, every month, over years of time, where you truly are just like Jesus, loving God, loving people, just being honest, integrous, trustworthy, not just in the work that you do, but in the relationships you build. You know, like, people get a taste of that, and they know that something's different. 
Like I began to earn the respect and friendship of people that immediately casted me off because I read my Bible and I was a Christian and I listened to worship music. I was able to break that barrier because I chose trustworthiness and honesty and integrity when I showed up every single day. And there, there was this one particular um, semester where there was like for one whole week, there was like these people that came to the campus and they had picket signs and they were marching all around campus center and they had all of these agendas of telling people that if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. God hates this. God hates that. God hates you. And it caused like this whole commotion on campus. And just for the record, like that's not the heart of God to contamin con condemn and make people feel bad. And I remember seeing like the frustration and the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, the fighting that was going on at Campus Center. And I remember like passing that, knowing what was going on and knowing I'd have to walk into this building with other classmates and coworkers. And I knew that they were going to either judge me or not. And that's kind of how I went into this moment. It was, it was tense on this particular day. And I walked in and a bunch of my coworkers, journalism classmates were on like this round table because we were thinking about what we were going to write about, do, how we were going to cover this, do we even cover this? And I remember I was one of the last people that made to this particular meeting. They all kind of like looked at, the door was really loud, right? Creaks. So I walked in, it's like, and they're looking at me. And I'm already feeling like, man, like they're going to have some mean things to say about Christians, God, Christianity, faith, possibly me because of what they had witnessed and what was going on. When I walked in, as tense as it was, one of the editors at the time, he looked at me and he's like, Russ. And you know, like I'm kind of thinking, oh, they're gonna come at me right now. All he had to say to me was this. Can you just explain to us what is going on and what is happening? Because we know how you are and you're not like them. <sighs> that, that hit home. To know that over years of time of sowing and just trying to be the best Christ follower and example, authentic faith in Christianity at this place led my classmates and coworkers not to see me as someone like them but someone different. And then want to ask questions about what is going on, about God, about faith, about Christianity, what the Bible says. I look back on that and those were one of those big, big wins. Some of those classmates are my friends to this day. Not all of them come to church yet or believe in God, but they know that not all Christians are bad. Not because I'm some special person, but because I chose to live in such a way as they could see Christ in me so that when they saw Pharisees on the campus, they could differentiate the difference between the two. How do our classmates, how do our coworkers, how do our family members, how do our loved ones, how do our neighbors, how do the people that just we come across on a regular day basis see us? How do they view us? We're not trying to perform for them, but we're trying to give glory and honor to God. And if they trust us, like us, see something good in us, awesome. If they don't, it's an opportunity to repent, grow, and try to live out the kind of statement that the Apostle Paul told God's people at the time. This is not a message to condemn. This is a message where God's word wants to convict and inspire. Amen. How do people see us? Do they see us as men and women of integrity, trustworthiness, and honesty? Or do they see us broken promises, broken relationships, 
broken this and broken that. That is not the image of God that we want to reveal to people. Amen? Number two in your notes. We must choose to be honest and trustworthy. We talked about that a little bit already. Verses 34 to 37. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even... Because you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I want to share a funny story about uh, a situation I had in high school. Um, Peer pressure is not a fun thing in high school. But we give into it all the time. And I just want to share about something that happened with uh, Sean Quilopo. He's not here this evening. I don't think he is. Jenny, is he here today? He's not here, so come on, talk about him. Sean Quilopo oversees our middle school ministry, and two of his friends, our friends, uh, Travis and Brian. So we went to the beach, Sherwoods. Waimanalo Beach is like one of the best beaches. Go there. Like if you want to go to a good beach, that's the beach that you want to go to. Far from here, but worth the drive. Amen? So we went there. It was a good day, and I had like this 2006 Honda CRV. Had it for a very, very long time, but at the time, it was one year old, and I'm driving them. And back then, I don't know if like erosion happened because now like there's no like really big hills anymore at Waimanalo Beach, but before, there was this really big hill from one parking lot section to the next parking lot, lot section, and we were leaving to go to Ken's to get local moco, and I remember Sean Quilopo in the back seat. He was probably a freshman at the time, and he said this, or he was a junior at the time. He said this jump the hill. I was like, no, I'm not going to jump the hill. Like, this is a brand new car. My mom and dad just got it for me from Tony Honda up there in YPO. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then his two friends, Brian and Travis, of course, jumped the hill. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let. I was a senior at this time. I'm not going to let these underclassmen tell me what to do. And they just kept egging me on. Do it. Do it. You're lame. So lame noob, boring, all of these like things that you would say back then that's not like a, you know, cool anymore. But they were telling me those things. And I gave in to the peer pressure. So I drove around, started speed, and like there wasn't a lot of people there. So it was, it was a safe, it's never a safe time to speed, but I was speeding. Okay, so I was speeding. And then I did like this huge roundabout and like, like just pressing on the gas, going up the hill. And right when we got to the top, I broke. So we were going like really fast. I was like, lame, you suck. You know, like all, and they're just like egging me on. And then we did this like four times, okay? I just kept trying it. But every time I got to the top, I just couldn't do it because I didn't want to do something bad because I was a Christian, you know, all of these things. But on the fifth time, like I didn't break. And I don't know if we were just like a foot off the ground if you saw us from outside, but it felt like we were flying to the moon and we were all like this. It was like slow motion. Yeah! And then I remember like the three of them like looking outside and they're like, yeah! And then Sean Colopo, the one egging us on, he's like, you the man. And again, we were probably like a foot off, so it probably wasn't that like, a sh like astounding from the outside, but it felt good. And then we hit the ground. Katonk. I was like, oh, I want one good local moco now because I am the man. So we got the local moco driving home. And when we were passing the pulley, I noticed that on the corner of my windshield was a small little crack. Small little crack, like maybe this big. Small little crack. I'm like, that's not good. But it could have been a rock that hit my car. Because I'm already making the connection, right? This was from jumping the hill. 
We got to Pearl City. We wanted shave ice uh, by Long's Drugs in Pearl City. There was a shave ice place. I think it's still there. And then by the time we got there, though, I remember the two guys that were driving me. wasn't It wasn't even Sean. He just dug out and drove with someone else. That's messed up. But, like, we were there. And then my other friend was, like, it's to the middle of the, like, it, this small little thing went from one corner all the way to the middle of the windshield. I was like, oh, my God, this is a brand new car that my parents bought me for my birthday. And then by the time that I got home, that small little crack that made it all the way to the middle in Pearl City, now this is just Waipahu, five minutes away, now made it from one end all the way to the other side of the windshield. And right when I got home, my mom was gardening, and she saw the car, and she's like, what happened? And I lied, straight up lied. I told her, like, I hopped the curb on accident in Pearl City, and this just happened. You know, like, just, and you know what the crazy thing is? She knew I was lying. She totally knew. Totally knew I was lying, but I would not, I just stood my ground, mom. It was a little, little thing that just happened by accident. I didn't do this other thing in Waimanalo Beach. And to this day, I've never actually come clean about that, so maybe I should. But here's the thing. When we live life without integrity, honesty, and trustworthiness, it might seem like a little crack. That's just forming a little bit over here, just a little bit. Maybe just that one white lie. Maybe just that one unread message that I didn't respond to. Maybe that one little broken promise, maybe that one thing that God asked me to do that I didn't do starts off as a little, little crack. But all of a sudden, it takes over the whole view of what we see before us. And we actually have to see and live in the consequences of a small little decision that became a lifestyle that, that now led to a consequence or consequences that we see and we're living out. This is what God is trying to do. Again, this, this, this series, we're not trying to do behavior modification. We're not trying to let God's word come off like it's supposed to restrict. It's supposed to free us. And one of the ways that we can be set free from the grace or by the grace and the power of God is by being men and women of integrity that follow through with what we say. Quick, three quick points before we bring up a pretty awesome testimony. So this is in your notes. Uh, it's nothing in the Bible, just things that I've learned and practiced over time. Before making a commitment, we should do three things. Pause, pray, and then personally respond. Quick thoughts on each three. Before we make a commitment to God or to others, we should pause. A lot of times we make decisions in the moment without really thinking through things. Yeah, I can do that. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I can commit to that. And we didn't really think it through because we're rushing, we're hustling, we're hurrying. There's stuff that we need to get done and get finished. I tell my wife all the time, yes, we're going to get ice cream. We're going to go out to dessert and tonight when we come home. And then I come home and I'm tired and we don't go. And she's mad. So, so mad. I break a promise about dessert like once a week. It's so bad. So bad. But before making a commitment, take a moment to pause and just really assess, like, is this something that I can realistically do? Some things is going to be easy, yes or no. Other things... We got to take point two, which is pray. Sometimes we need to go to God, right? Like when it comes to these commitments or these things that we may or may not say yes or no to, we should seek God. We seek God for a lot of drastic things, but God is like in our life for the day-to-day -day things as well. 
So before saying yes or no to people, take time to not only pause, but also to pray and let God speak to you. And if God says yes, you should do that, then do it. Because as we read earlier from the Apostle Paul, everything that we say yes to, everything that we have the opportunity to fulfill is an opportunity to give glory and praise to God. Not for our advantage, but for the advantage of others. Amen? And lastly, personally respond. We ghost people way too much when we don't want to give them our answer, yeah? Or when we don't follow through with something. All of you people that leave your text messages with an unread op like option, you are just putting your life on the line with every unread message. It's true. Don't know why people do that. Maybe there's work-related things, family-related things. I don't know. But at the end of the day, let's not be people that ghost others when they're asking us if it's a yes or no. We've paused. We've prayed. We've made a decision to glorify and honor God. If that's not going to be good for the other people, then that's on them. And we can't abuse this either. So if, like, someone's, like, you know, if you owe someone, like, Money, like, don't withhold that because God said don't pay that person back. Like, that's not how it works, okay? Follow through, and we'll know what that is because God will say that's, that's honoring and glorifying of me. Amen? So just quick application before our testimony comes up. Before making a commitment, pause, pray, and personally respond. Amen? I've had the opportunity of getting to know this fine gentleman over the last few months. He's in my small group. And really, small group's a great place to just grow in your relationship with God and relationship with others as well. Um, and he's going to share a testimony about how this whole idea of integrity and trustworthiness and honor has not just been a concept that he's heard in church, but really a way of life that he's living every single day. We're going to learn. We're going to glean. And we're going to ultimately see how God can use one person's commitment to following through with what God's placed on his heart to make a difference, not just in his life, but in the lives of many. Uh, his name is Janelle, and he is joining us tonight. So can you help me welcome Janelle to the stage? I asked him to do this on Friday, so praise God. <laughs> yeah, he you did. followed through. Yeah, I responded, then I paused, then I prayed. So oh, it's okay. But you follow through. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Follow through. Uh, again, I've had the just the privilege and honor of knowing Janelle for like the last few months, um, and he has a great story of just allowing God's word to really radically change your life and direct your life as well. But before we do that, share a little bit about your life, about your marriage, about other things. Start us off. Yeah. So um, my name is Janelle Udalundu. Um, I'm a child of Two wonderful parents from the Philippines. I was born and raised in the Philippines. Uh, we moved over here when I was, or moved to Kauai when I was six years old. Uh, I have seven older siblings. So yeah, I'm the baby number eight. Uh, that's a lot. We, 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 we are farmers, so we de they needed workers at the farm. So <laughs> plus they didn't have much to do. So <laughs> Philippines. So uh, yeah, then we moved to Hawaii when I was six years old. Um, lived in Kauai, had a relatively decent childhood, nothing too crazy. I went to school in uh, Oregon State. Uh, I figured I had to leave Kauai, just, just explore myself, live in my own, uh, I guess live in my own flesh. And I, I remember my, my mom telling me you had, I had to apply to three schools and UH had to be one of them. I didn't do it. <laughs> I, I knew I didn't. I, she, she wanted to create that safety net for me. 
And I was like, no, I was committed to leaving Hawaii. So I did, and then I, and then I got my commission from Oregon State. So I'm a, a United States Army captain, a commissioned officer. I serve in the Hawaii Army National Guard. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Kristen. We have been, a photo of you guys. Yeah, we, we've been married for there about go. three years. She's beautiful, isn't she? <laughs> Yeah, so that's my beautiful wife. That was right after the deployment in uh, Afghanistan. So uh, with, with myself in, in the military, I'm actually, a, for the past four years, I've been serving as a company commander tw twice now, uh, once as a commander of about 90 soldiers. Uh, we did a deployment to Afghanistan back in 2019, 2020. And then when I came back, they asked me to do a second command, which is unheard of, so not, not a typical thing. Uh, that a lot of officers do. So I'd had that opportunity, and so now God has blessed me with it. 120 soldiers. So, yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of where I'm at with my military career and my you marriage. You also have a, a dog? I do, yeah. And I have a dog. Her name is Bailey. She's the crazy. Don't, don't let that face fool you. She is wild. So if anybody's a trainer, please get with me afterwards. I'd love to train her. It was hot in Neva. You guys had her in a pool today. I was like, man, that looks really good right now. All right, with all of that said, though, um, you have a lot of success. You've earned a lot of things. You've been able to kind of go up the ranks to a place where you can actually, by status and by where you stand at work, your ranking, you can actually make people trust you, make people honor you, make people just go about doing the business that you want them to do, just by nature of where you're at. But you came into church uh, or, you know, you had someone that was inviting you and your wife to church. And you're going to explain that a little bit. Yeah. But a uh, quick summary, just share us how you came to know Jesus and initially what that did for your life. Yeah, so um, we st I started this walk a little over or what's coming up in two years now. I've, we started coming to Pearlside uh, through multiple prayers from friends. Uh, one shout out to Angie over there. She's been praying for me and my wife. Uh, for a really long time, she knew our situation, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but she knew our situation, and so she'd been, she was praying for us. Um, and that just goes to show for the power of prayer. Uh, in, in all honesty, I would be a poster child of what a wayward son would be. Um, I was lost. I had, yeah, as a leader, I, I, I committed myself into being in front of a lot of soldiers, and I did have that notoriety about that I had a lot of power um, but I was handling all of that in my own um, in my own flesh and so relying on my hard work a little bit of hard work and luck got me into the positions that I got and I figured that's all I needed in this life um, as I mentioned earlier I, I am an immig immigrant so I really took on that immigrant mindset which I don't fault anybody for having that but that's kind of what I took upon myself is that I'll work hard for what I, I gain. I'll work hard for the money. I'll work hard for the, um, the house that I have. And looking back, uh, you know, two years ago, if you had asked me how did I get, gain my house, it would have been, my answer would have been through hard work and blood, sweat, and tears. So, yeah. yeah. So you're able to earn a lot, get a lot experienced a lot of success. So t talk to us, what did you think integrity, honor, and trustworthiness meant before coming to know Jesus? And how did that mindset affect your life? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, what's crazy is those three things that we've mentioned today. It is actually three of the seven army values. So for a lot of First Service members who are watching this, um, you know, they, they know what trustworthiness, honor, duty, selfless service, all, all of that, uh, and all of that means. And so while I knew it, I didn't embody it, um, I found myself living like a fairy, essentially, um, you know, doing what I needed to do to get the mission done. I was a very, um, how do you say this, a mission-focused mission leader. I would essentially, yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't carry or I wouldn't put so much weight on people's feelings, emotions, or how they felt in order to get the mission accomplished. I, that was a second thought for me. And so from my, from, from my experience previous to that was I thought of leadership as, oh, as a pyramid. You know, you have your, you have your workers on the below, and then it's always the top, the tippity-top people just telling them uh, what to do, right? And so, and, it, and in, in a pyramid scheme or a pyramid uh, method of leadership, it's always the bottom people working for the top. And so I, I embody that leadership mindset. So, yeah. And kind of like in that kind of, that kind of mindset, like what did that do to your relationships? Did people see Jesus in you at that time? No, I would definitely say no. Uh, it, in, that, in that mindset, I burdened a lot of um, weight for myself, thinking that, you know, with that, once again, with that immigrant mindset, I knew I needed to succeed. But by having that, putting success in the forefront, I put a lot of relationships off to the side. And so my marriage fell apart. Um, you know, during the deployment, we, I not only was physically apart from her, but I also learned how to be emotionally apart. There's just a few things that happen in, during a deployment that you can't share. And so I brought that mentality. I brought that mindset back home and so I became distant didn't know how to share my emotions didn't know how to bring her into my situations and so yeah and then that was not a reflection of what Christianity is right Christianity is love relationship and all of that and so that was that broken promise there uh, with for what I had done so you guys are in, like you guys get this like he's serving our country he's going up the ranks of success, but now there's also this area of his life that just wasn't how it should be. The love, the relationship, the joy was missing. And Angie over there was reaching out to Kristen. They worked at a preschool together for a few years, and she was committed, sharing, being an authentic Christian, loving God, loving people, following through with who she says she is as a Christ follower out there in the workplace. And you started coming to church, coming into relationship with Jesus, joined a small group, now, for all of us here, can you share with us, like, how that has radically changed your view of leadership, but also your view of, what's our small group? Those good guys. Some handsome guys up there. I know. Right on. Jarek's mustache is really thick in that photo. My goodness. So all of that's to say, with all of these things that are going on, like, you begin to see God change your perspective on what it means to be a leader like Jesus, but also what it truly means to be a man of integrity, to have trustworthiness, and to be honest. So share with us what God did there, and then we want to talk about something. Like, and you can also share about your job interview that you did. Yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, well, I'd like to start with, you know, I, I met this fine-looking gentleman here through, uh, I don't I'm sure you guys all know Dr. Landon Oka. You got to emphasize that doctor there. He's, <laughs> he's very proud of it. But kudos to him. But yeah, he, him and I, we went to college together at Oregon State. And so uh, he introduced me. He shot me a text one random Friday evening, I believe it was. Like, hey, there's a small group popping up in Evo Beach. And the, the man that I am, I was like, yep, let's do it. I'm in. So very next weekend, I met, met up with Jarek, Russ, and Phil. And yeah, we, we, we started getting to know these fine gentlemen. Aries popped in. Joe came in. And so we started this small group here. And so the thing I love about this group right here is that while I have my relationship with my wife that holds me accountable, keeps me in check, these, these gentlemen as well, you know, you share a lot in your aspirations, your current situations, what's burdening you, but, you know, we, we all, we're all there for each other, and so it's, it's great that they're there for us. And so uh, in my walk, you know, um, I struggled a little bit in the beginning, and I still do. And I think, you know, today's message is um, very meaningful for me as well. And so while I'm pre sharing my story, I hope it uh, also speaks to you all, but... Um, yeah, I could, I could be that Christian that enjoys Sunday evening, Sunday um, services, but, and going to work Monday to Friday, as soon as I walk in through that door, boom, Captain Uda Undu is back again. And so it's not that Christian, uh, Junelle. And so I had a at, a, at 30 years old, I had an identity crisis, I guess you'd say. <laughs> so I was fighting this identity between... Being a Christian on Sunday, but being my old self Monday to Saturday. And so I struggled with, with that for a long time. Um, but most recently, you know, uh, when we went to Seek Week, I actually learned a little bit about uh, fasting and prayer. And so that encouraged me to live and challenge myself to be a devout Christian, to be unashamedly Christian, you know, in the workplace. And so by doing that, I, I put myself into situations where, um, you know, Russ had, had mentioned earlier in, on college campuses back in, uh, we won't say the year, but, but um, yeah, where you, you may seem like you're going to be judged quite often. And uh, the Bible says you will be judged, you know, for, for, our, for our walk. You'll be criticized. And so, but we open it. We, we take that on. And so most recently, uh, I, I applied for a new job in the Hawaii Army National Guard. So a little background, there's AGR positions, Active Guard Reserve positions. And it's about 5% of the, of the force that are actually on that status. Um, the other 95, they're all traditional guardsmen. So those are the soldiers just doing a, every uh, once a month drill, two weeks on the weekend or in the month and during the summer. And so the 5%, when, when there's a new hire that comes up, a lot of people are, are, are itching for that job opportunity. And so I, got, I had an opportunity to lay on that, that opportunity to God, and I opened him into the situation. A uh, little background, I did apply for two previous positions, but during, those, during that time, it was before my walk, and so I relied heavily on my experiences and my successes and my notoriety or my awards to, 
to convince the board members to hire me. Um, so this this go around. And you you didn't yeah. get hired. I didn't get hired. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, and then you know, it just wasn't in God's plan for me at that time. So yeah, God opened up this opportunity for me, and so I walked. Or prior to going in, um, if you haven't heard it, if if in the military there's a saying, if if you're not Five, if you're 15 minutes early, you're late. So I show up 30 minutes prior so just, just to be ready. And so here I am waiting in the, my car. Just I prayed on the moment. Uh, I paused. I, I really, you know, wanted to offer that moment up to God and just bring him into the situation to glorify him because that's all I needed. That's all I wanted to do. And so it came to the point where during the interview, uh, here I was sharing my faith um, that's not something you should be doing, yeah. right, in the military. Yeah, so, yeah, so to the to point where out. I was sharing a scripture during, during, the, during the interview. And so for, I mean, in any, any situation, I mean, if you're getting hired for some sort of Christian job, I'm sure it would be great to share a, a scripture or two that would be the right place, right time. But in the military, it's often taboo to be able to, to be sharing your faith uh, openly like that. And so... I took a leap of faith. I opened, I gave God the situation and I, um, you know, gave him the glory by sharing who I was and showing to the, the board members or the hiring board that they're not hiring the person that had all that notoriety or the previous experiences, but they're hiring the person that they saw that day and that, uh, during the, in that interview. Yeah. And how the interview go? Yeah. So three weeks ago, I got offered the job. And hey. so, Yeah. Hey, glory to God. I mean, he, he just he opened up the situation. I invited him, and I, you know, let the Holy Spirit come, come through me during that moment. So, yeah. So this is a man that had everything in the past, realized it led to nothing, just broken relationships, broken promises. God comes in, and now it's like success for the glory of God. Janelle shared with me a couple, uh, or at small group this past week, that he had the opportunity to pray for two co-workers right then and there. And then, again, like, he was just saying, like, I don't know. I just started praying for them. And I was like, how would it go? And he was like, it was good. I was like, that's great. And then we are just, like, cheering each other on. Um, but another thing you've been able to do, along with praying for those that are in your unit that you oversee with what they're going through, you're also sharing your faith there. You're a good Christian out there now. Um, and this past Easter, you got to see some people from your unit come to Easter service, yeah? They yeah. have a photo of that as well. There we are. Come on. So, we give God some praise for that. Yeah. Let's go. Janelle, so, parting shot for all of us. I mean, with this in mind, tell us a little bit about what this, this photo means to you. And give us a parting shot, all of us here, on how we can continue to be, like, authentic, trustworthy men and women of integrity out there in the world. Yeah, so, I mean, with, with that, I think being true to yourself is number one. Um, God knows who we are. And I look, I look around the crowd. I see beautiful, wonderful, handsome men, brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so while we're brothers and sisters in Christ in here, you know, let us be that church out in the communities, out in the campuses um, that share that faith and share your, your persona that you embody here and be that person out there in the community as well. And then, I, you know, with that being said, can I just share the scripture that I shared during the hiring board? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. This is a scripture you shared in your interview. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was actually, it was, it was the right place, right time. You know, it was the word of the day. If you don't have the Bible up, do it because it's great. It's just a great way to invite God in, in more situations. So uh, the verse is Psalms 21 too. 
And it's, it, it reads, those who live in the shelter of the Most High and find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, this I declare to, about the Lord. He claim, or he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. And so while we trust God here today, let us also trust God in every situation that we walk into outside in the workplace, campuses. As soon as you walk out this door, get in your car, jump on the freeway, just invite God in, in those moments as well. So, yeah. Thank you, Janelle. Everyone, Janelle. I hope that encourages every single one of us this evening. That there's so much that we can do in life without God. And sometimes it'll lead to success. Sometimes it'll lead to notoriety. Sometimes it will lead to just awesome seasons of our life. But at the end of the day, if it's not God... And if he's not getting the glory, it will always lead to a dead end. And someone like Janelle, all of the successes, all of the opportunities, all of the things led him to a place where a lot of things in his life were broken until someone shared the gospel with him and the love of Jesus out there. And it began to be something that came in here into his heart, into his soul. Amen. And again, this whole idea of that 85% that wouldn't want to come to know Jesus because they haven't seen the authentic, life-transforming, life-changing example of believers in their life. Like We can make a difference and choose to be part of that 15%, like what Angie did with Kristen and with Janelle, so that they can see that this God and the trustworthiness of this God through these people's lives is as real and good as it gets. Amen? Last point in your notes goes like this as we bring things to a close tonight. Number three, Jesus sets the example of a life of integrity. And I just want to say this. At the end of the day, it's Jesus who sets the example of what a life of integrity is and what a life of integrity looks like. At the end of the day, we're not just trying to be better people that do better things. At the end of the day, we're trying to be more like Jesus. And we're going to close tonight with a passage out of Luke 22 to 39 to 44 that I hope speaks to us on how much we can relate And receive the goodness of God in our life. Because he was a God that came through. He was a God that fulfilled the promise. He was a God that was worried and afraid. But at the end of the day, the commitment and oath that he made to his father for us was worth doing. Luke 22, 39 to uh, 44 goes like this. In fact, where you're at, could you close your eyes? Bow your heads. And let this passage speak to you. Imagine this passage coming to life. This is Jesus right before he was supposed to be crucified and wrongly accused. And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And he came to the place. And he said to his disciples, pray that you may not enter in temptation. And then Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. 
and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You can look up here. Jesus' sole reason for coming to this earth was to save us of our sins. It was a promise that God made from the beginning of time to every single person that would step foot on this side of eternity. It was a promise. It was an oath made to God, his Father, not for Jesus' advantage, but for the advantage of every single one of us that we could get saved. And this was so deep in Jesus' life that he was, man, God, if you could just take this cup, please take it. We look at the humanity of Jesus. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to give his life away. He didn't want to endure the things that was just a day's worth away. But when he went to his father and his father told him, you still need to go. In agony. Jesus followed through with blood dripping down his face he followed through with that commitment to go to the cross for every single one of us and how do we know that's true John 3 16 last passage in your notes for God so loved the world that he loved his one and only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life that is the gospel and it is the best promise that the Bible has to offer, a relationship with Jesus has to offer, that because of love, we can have life. Amen. And as we live our lives here on earth, just as we read through the word, as we saw in Janelle's testimony, if we are men and women of integrity, just like Jesus was, somehow, some way, that love that becomes a foundation of every yes that we follow through with will lead to life and life abundantly. That is the whole point of being men and women of integrity, trustworthiness, and honesty so that the gospel can become something that people see and witness in our life and receive into theirs. Amen? With all heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to go into this time of worship as our worship team comes up. And I just want to encourage all of us, when we sing and when we praise God this evening, sing in such a way that we'd want to follow through with the convictions and the goodness that God wants to reveal in and through us everywhere that we go. God, may you come in. May this not be noise that comes out of our mouth, but may it be worship. And may our hearts be free as we sing and glorify you this evening, as we renew this commitment to you. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing and let's praise God tonight. Come on.